Come let us bow at his feet He has done great things See what our Savior has done See how his love overcomes He has done great things He has done things he's done for us. to 
treasures of my heart And I lay mine tomorrow in your arms There is peace like a river running free There's a song that arises up in i 
Good morning, church. In these next few moments, we would like to honor our graduates by announcing them individually and also presenting them with a gift Bible over here from our Living Water family. So seniors, whenever your name is called, if you'll come forward to my left-hand side and get your Bible and then join me up here on stage, we'd like to pray over all of you after you've gotten your Bible. Kelsey Brought. Jenna Cates. Jace Davis. Austin DeBerry. Peyton Mask. Macy Matlock. Kyra Pitt. Caroline Ragland. Emily Rimple. Bryce Salier. Taya Taylor. And Blake Wilhelm. Join me in congratulating your seniors of 2021. Okay, and let's pray over them. Father, we thank you for all that you do and who you are, Lord, that you're so gracious and kind and loving towards us. Lord, we thank you for these graduates that we get to celebrate this morning, that they've been a gift not only to us, but to their communities, to the places that they've been to be a part of, their families, their friend groups. Lord, and we know that they are a gift from you. We pray that the Holy Spirit will guide them in all of their endeavors, and no matter where they go in life, that they'll turn their focus towards you. Lord, we pray that your wisdom, discernment, and direction in life, Lord, that they'll be attentive to that. Lord, we pray that you direct their steps and that you would illuminate their path as they go along through life. And most importantly, Father, we pray that all of their lives, they'll be a witness for you and that they'll live near to Jesus Christ and they'll be a witness for what he did on the cross and how much he loves us. Lord, we pray that they will live out Psalm 16:2, that they will be able to proclaim with their life that you are their Lord, and apart from you, they have no good thing, Lord. So bless them and keep them all the days of their lives. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray, amen. amen. Thank you all. All right, I think we need to give it up one more time for our seniors. Glad that we get the chance to celebrate with them today. I want to uh, recognize some other folks uh, real quick, if you would. If you are one of the parents of one of these seniors, uh, would you please stand up? Don't be shy. Just go ahead and claim them. All right. Remain standing for just a second. Uh, if you are grandparents, aunts, uncles, and you're here celebrating with them, would you stand up as well? Keep, keep standing for just a second. If you are a school teacher or a teacher here in our church and somehow over the years you have invested just a little bit in each one of their lives to help them get to this point, would you stand up? None. I know there's some. <laughs> Thank you back there in the very back. Yeah. Uh, if you are just a neighbor that has put up, we won't go that far. We could keep going. But listen, we want to say thank you to you guys as well. I know it's a great time of celebration in your life. So let's give all of them a hand this morning and we celebrate together.
All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Abraham, chapter 2. Old Testament book, right? How many of you are there? Actually, that was for Austin and Blake. They've been telling me to do that for quite some time, and Blake actually said he would give me $100 if I did it. So, Blake, I will see you after the service uh, for that. There is no Old Testament book of Abraham. Uh, that's where Austin thought that uh, the story of Jonah was, and, uh, but we have now straightened him out upon that. So, Glad that you are here worshiping with us today. If you are one of our guests this morning, if you wouldn't mind, there is a, a communication card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take that and fill that out, and at the end of the service, just drop that in one of the boxes in the back so we can know a little bit more about you. We would greatly uh, appreciate that. Also, for those of you that have a student that is completing sixth grade all the way up through uh, seniors in high school, even those that are graduating, tonight at 5 o'clock there's going to be a family cookout over at the well and Lance is going to use that time just to share with you what our summer activities are, how you can be a part and what's coming up uh, so that you will know what to expect over the next uh, few months. So we invite you to come to that. It's going to be a great time together. Today in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to be talking to you about prepared for success. Prepared for success. God has created us on purpose. He has created us to live a life on purpose that is successful. But the question is, how can we live a life of success? Well, in order for us to be prepared for this life of success and to know what it is, I think we need to start by understanding what success is not. When we think about success in our world today, some would say that the one who has the most toys when he dies, what? Wins. The ones that have the most toys when he dies, wins. How many of you have heard that statement before? If you believe that statement, let me just let you in on a little secret today. That is completely false. That is not God's design for success. As a matter of fact, that's not success at all because what you're going to realize one day when you get to the end of your life, all the things that you've accumulated on the earth are going to stay on the earth. You don't get to take them with you when you go. So that is a false lie that some people actually believe in this life. It is a false statement. True success is not a measure of the things that we accumulate in this life. Success is not determined by the kind of car that we drive or the address of our house. True success is not determined by the size of our bank account or the title that we have in our job or in our business. True success is not determined by the diplomas that we receive or the titles that we are given by man. These things would be what we call worldly success. Now let me just clarify right now so don't lose anybody yet. There's nothing wrong with gaining things in this life. There's nothing wrong with having success in this life and working hard and earning some of these things. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Colossians 3.23, it says, Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord, not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. What is he saying in that passage? He's saying that whatever you do in this life, do it to the best that you can. Go ahead and do whatever it is that you do, whatever job you have, whatever profession you have, wherever you go in life, do it the best that you can. And when you do it the best that you can in this world that we live in, this life that we have, we are going to gain some worldly successes. We're going to gain some things that we can enjoy while we're in this world. And there's nothing wrong with that. It does become a problem, however, when that is what we focus on. It becomes a problem when that's what our life becomes about. The things that we can gain here on this earth. The things that are temporary, the things that don't matter for eternity. And when we think about living a successful life, we need to understand is that's not what determines whether our life is successful or not when we get to the end of our life. 
What determines whether our life is successful or not is how we live that life for the Lord. How we live that life for God. The difference that we made in this world. So if I were to give a definition of what true success is, it would be very simple. Living out God's plan and God's purpose for my life. You want to have true success in life, then you need to live out God's plan and God's purpose for your life. How many of you believe today that God's got a plan and a purpose for your life? How many of you believe today that you're not just here by accident, that God created you, God designed you, and God has something specific for you to do? He has a special plan for each and every one of us, and he has a purpose for our life. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 29, 11, a very familiar verse to many of us, says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. In Psalm 16, 11, the psalmist said, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and by your side are pleasures forevermore. Both of those verses let us know that God has a plan and a purpose for our life. And when we follow his plan and his purpose for our life, then that's when we will understand and we will know what real success is. God has a plan. And here's the thing. If God has a plan for our life, don't you think he wants us to know what that plan is? He doesn't just throw a plan out there. And some people think, man, God's got a plan, but I got to hunt. I got to search. And Man, it's exhausting trying to figure out what God's plan is for life. Any of you ever felt that way? Sometimes we we struggle and we think, God, what is the purpose of life? Sometimes I question and say, God, why do you have me here at this time? There's other times that God could have created you to be on this earth. But he's got you here at this time for a specific purpose and a specific reason. He has a plan for your life. Now understand this. What I'm talking about today applies to us no matter what season of life that we're in. Those of you that are getting ready to graduate high school, what an accomplishment. What a great season in your life. And you're looking forward to what God has for you. You're looking forward to your future. And you're looking at God's plan. But even those that have already graduated high school, graduated college, maybe you've started a career and you are looking for, God, what is your plan? What is your purpose? Those of you that maybe you're in your retirement years and you're still seeking God, what is your plan and your purpose? Every season of our life, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And you know what I've discovered in life? I have never met anybody that I can recall that did not want to succeed at whatever season of life that they were in. How many of you have or know of somebody who's graduating kindergarten this year? Okay, several of you. How many, have you ever met a kindergartner who said, man, I'm so excited about going to kindergarten. You know how they get excited, they're ready to go. And then kindergarten graduation comes up and they're so excited. Have you ever met a kindergartner that said, I'm so excited about going to kindergarten, I cannot wait to fail kindergarten. Or you get into high school and Some of us say, man, I'm so excited about high school, and I look forward to high school graduation. I cannot wait to fail high school. Some of us didn't do it on purpose, but it wasn't exciting. I mean, that's not what we were looking for. And get this, I've never heard a senior adult moving into retirement years that said, I cannot wait to retire. I cannot wait to fail at retirement. We have a desire in us to succeed no matter what season that we are in in life. I'm reminded of a young boy whose dad wanted him to remember the successes that he has in life. And so the, the dad was teaching, going to teach the boy how to journal. They were getting ready to go on a family vacation. So the dad bought the boy a new journal. The boy was all excited. He couldn't wait to write down his experiences. Well, their first stop on their vacation was the Grand Canyon. And the young boy got up on a cliff at the Grand Canyon, and he was looking. He was amazed at how wide and how deep the Grand Canyon was. And as he stood there in awe, he had a brilliant thought in his mind. He was going to spit off that cliff and watch the spit as it falls. And so he spit as hard as he could. 
And he watched that spit begin to fall until he couldn't see it anymore. And he was just so excited and he couldn't wait to get back to their hotel room that night so he could write down in his journal what he experienced that day. He got into the room, he wrote it down, and then he fell asleep. Well, dad just couldn't stand it. He had to see what his son wrote for the day. And the dad opened up the journal and the young boy wrote, I had a very successful day. I was able to spit for two miles. He was so excited. What an accomplishment in his life. These accomplishments that we have in life, we want to remember them. They are something that is special in life. And for those of you graduating high school and college, what an accomplishment. And for some others in our life, as we go through life, we've already realized that there's going to be different accomplishments that come in life. But here's a reality. Even with the great accomplishments that we have in life, there's also going to be some real challenges. How do we make it through the challenging times? Wouldn't it be great if every day was just a great, successful, accomplishing day? But the reality is it's not. There will be challenges. We've seen this over the last year. We've been reminded of this. Challenges. Life will throw challenges at us. But here's the thing. Even with the challenges of life, even with the hard times that come, the difficult times, the struggles that we may have, we can still be successful in life. And today we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to see the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Now, Timothy is a young pastor at this time, and Paul was his mentor, and Paul is coming towards the end of his life, and he's writing this letter to encourage Timothy how to continue to be strong in his faith, how to continue to live out his purpose and his calling that God has for his life. And I pray that today this passage would be an encouragement to us as we look at this. First verse we're going to look at is verse 7. And this is what I want you to see in verse 7. If we're going to live a life of success, we must first face our fears. Notice what he says. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power. One of love, one of sound judgment. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at that and I see the word fear, I don't get real excited about that, but when I see the word power, there's just something about that. And that's the kind of life that I want to live. I don't want to live a life of fear. I want to live a life of power. And I want you to think for a moment the last time that you were afraid. I mean, when was the last time you were really, really afraid? afraid. And I want you to remember how you felt at that moment. Can you remember how your heart was racing? Can you remember the panic that set in? Can you remember how you probably froze in your tracks and were having a hard time moving? Can you remember how hard it was to even catch your breath? I remember a time, it was in the the middle of the night, we were sleeping good. And all of a sudden I heard a, a loud crash in the other room. Now our room was on one side of the house and our girls' rooms were on the other side of the house and you could tell that this crash was somewhere in between. And I remember just opening my eyes and laying there in fear. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't move, I was trying to figure out what was going on. I just knew that somebody had just come through a big window in our living room and they were coming in to do harm to our family. And I laid there and my mind was working of what in the world could be going on. And it took me a minute to be able to catch my breath, to even be able to say anything or to be able to move. And when I caught my breath, I did what every good husband and protector of his family should do. I looked over at Lori and I said, go see what it is and come back and tell me. (laughs) Just kidding. I finally worked up the courage and the strength to get out of bed when I could move and I slowly made my way to the door and I looked out into the hallway and I didn't see anything, didn't hear anything. So I made my way out into the hallway and went to the corner to where the living room was and I began to look around the corner in the living room. I'm looking to see who's in the house, who's moving and I'm still terrified. And when I don't see anybody, I finally reach over to the light switch and I'm flipping that light switch on and I'm ready to jump on whoever is in our house. And I hit that light switch and I was never so relieved in my life 
to see a broken mirror that somehow had just fallen off the wall in the middle of the night. Fear. It does incredible things to us. It causes all these things. And you know, if I would have laid there and stayed in bed rather than getting up and seeing what it was, can you imagine all the thoughts that would have been going through my mind? I guarantee I wouldn't have ever gone back to sleep that night. I would have just been sitting there worried about what could be going on, what could be happening, things that weren't even true. You know, fear does that to us, right? They cause us to think about things that aren't even a reality, things that aren't even true. It reminds me, uh, of a song that maybe some of you are thinking of as we're talking about this. It's the song, Fear is a Liar. How many of you have heard that song? Anybody? A few of you? Fear is a liar. It will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Fear, he is a liar. He will rob you of your rest, steal your happiness. So cast your fear in the fire because fear is a liar. Fear will cause us to believe things that aren't true. Fear will keep us from fulfilling what God's purpose is in our life if we allow that fear to control us. So Paul is saying, don't fear because this fear does not come from God. Fear comes from the enemy. Now you need to keep in mind what kind of fear he's talking about because there are some healthy fears in life, right? I mean, fear of a rattlesnake is a good thing. I don't care who you are. Fear of a rattlesnake is a good thing. Fear of falling off of a cliff is a good thing, right? Uh, those kind of fears, they're healthy fears. They keep us safe. But the kind of fear he is talking about is a fear that keeps us from doing what God has equipped us to do, what God has called us to do, and living the life that God has called us to live. And if anyone had reason to fear, it was Paul himself. Paul had lots of reason to fear. Paul talks about in uh, 2 Corinthians, in chapter 11, he's giving a, an account of the things that he has faced in his life. And beginning in verse 24 of that passage, he says, Five times I have received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Now the 40 lashes minus one is very important because they had figured out that if a man was beaten with 40 lashes, it would kill him. But if they stopped at 39 lashes, he would still live, but he would wish that he was dead. And so Paul says, here's an account of my life. Here's what I've gone through for the gospel of Christ. I've been beaten with rods as well. Not only have I been, uh, received the 40 lashes five times, I've been beaten with rods three times. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. And he says, I've had all these dangers in my life, but listen to me, Timothy, do not live a life of fear because fear will stop you in your tracks and it'll keep you from understanding and realizing the successes that God has for you in your life. When it comes to living out the plans that God has for your life, you need to face your fear. And when you do, the Spirit of God will turn that fear into confidence. When Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he was not writing in a bragging way saying, look at all that I've done. He was writing in a way of confidence saying, look at what God has been able to do through me. I don't have to live a life of fear because I have confidence in what God is doing in my life. Paul had life figured out. That's why he could say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul realized that there's nothing that this life can throw at him that could ever overcome, could ever overshadow the work that God was doing in him and through him. And the work that God was doing in him and through him was more powerful than anything that life can throw his way. So live a life. Live it to the fullest for God, but do not have fear when you're living that life. And then secondly, you need to know your purpose. Look at verse 8 down through uh, verse 12. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or for me his prisoner. Instead, share in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, 
which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For the gospel, I was appointed a herald, apostle, and teacher. And that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Know your purpose in life. Paul is telling Timothy, remember your calling. Remember your purpose. To you that are graduating today, I challenge you to remember the calling that God has on your life. To know your purpose that he has for you. He has great plans for you, a great future for you, and we look forward to how God is going to use you in the days to come. Remember that calling. Look to that calling. That calling that you have on your life will be different than the calling I have on my life, and my calling is different than your calling. We each have our own specific calling. God is going to take us all in different ways to do different things. But our purpose in life is the same. He says, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord and share in the suffering of the gospel. What is he talking about? He's saying, don't, don't be ashamed of Christ. Don't be ashamed of what Christ has come to do. Don't be ashamed of the work that Christ is doing in your life. But live your life to the fullest in Christ and be quick to share him. He says, share in the suffering of the gospel. What is he talking about? Telling people about Christ. Telling people about what Christ has done for you. What is the gospel? The gospel is very simply the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son to come into this world, to live a perfect sinless life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice that would cover our sins and our shame before God. Our sin has separated us from God and there needs to be a blood sacrifice to cover that sin. And Jesus became that perfect sacrifice. And he went to the cross and he died for me and he died for you. And not only did he die on the cross, but three days later he rose again. And he eventually ascended into heaven where right now he is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. That is the simple gospel message of Christ. And he says, don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed to share the gospel, to stand on the gospel. Know your purpose in life. And here's the purpose. It's a twofold purpose that I want to share with you. The first purpose is this, to know Christ, to know him. Not to know about Christ. A lot of people know about Christ, but he says to know him, to know Christ. When we know Christ, we know him personally. We know him in a way that others that just know about him don't know him. It is a personal relationship. And the way that we know Christ in this personal relationship is when we come to the point where we allow Christ to be the Lord and Savior of our life. We believe what he did for us on the cross. We accept his salvation and what he has done for us. And when we do that, that's when we come to know who Christ really is. But it's not only know Christ, it is now to make him known. We all have a calling and a purpose in our life to make Christ known. I don't know if you figured this out or not, but life is not about you. Okay? Don't turn and look at the person next to you. Life is not about you. God has us here for a purpose, and that purpose is to invest in other people's lives so that they may come to know him personally. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe everything i have commanded you and remember i am with you always even to the end of the age so jesus says here's your purpose go out and tell people about me go out and make disciples telling people how they can know christ in a in a personal way Paul says in verse 11 of this passage that I've been called to be a herald for Christ. A herald is a messenger. A herald is one who brings news. And the news that we have to bring is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me change that. It is the great news of the gospel of Christ. I'm even going to change that one more time. It is the best news. It is the best news that anybody can hear of how 
God desires a relationship with us so much that he gave us his one and only son so that our relationship with him can be restored. And it is that gospel message that changes lives. It is the gospel message that makes a difference. And Paul says to Timothy, share in the suffering of the gospel. Keep telling people about Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of what he has done. That means that wherever we go in life, we are to be a witness for him. Whether you go to school, you're to be a witness for him. You go off to college, you're to be a witness for him. You go to your job every day, you're to be a witness for him. You're to go out into your neighborhood, you're to be a witness for him. To be a witness for Christ, not ashamed of the gospel, but sharing the gospel message with those that we come in contact with. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God to change a broken life. It is the power of God that will heal a messed up marriage. It is the power of God that will turn a life around that is so far from him. It is the gospel message of Christ. And we all have a purpose. And that purpose is to be his witnesses so that others may know him the way that we know him. And then thirdly, trust that Christ is going to see you through. Trust that Christ will see you through and he will accomplish in you what he has purposed to accomplish. Notice what he says in verse 12. He says, and that is why I suffer these things. But I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to guard what he has been entrusted to me until that day. What is he talking about? He's talking about our salvation. He's talking about how there's nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God. There's nothing in this world, when we come into that relationship with Christ, there's nothing that can pluck us from his hand. That God is going to protect us. That God is going to see us through until the end. Notice in verse 12, he said, I am trusting that Christ will keep this. This is not kept by the good things we do, and it's not taken away by the bad things that we do. It is kept through Christ and what he does and what he does alone. Paul said in Romans 8, 38 through 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, no matter what we face in this life, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he is faithful to see you through until the end. Again, Paul is at the end of his life. He knows that his days are coming to an end. And he knows that when his life is over, that he will be in the presence with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And he will hear those great words that people talk about all the time. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, those are the words I want to hear. Well done. And I look at my life and I think of the mistakes that I make and I think of the things that I do that sometimes are just a mess. Anybody else like that? Oh, just me, that's what I thought. And I can rest assured, even knowing that my own stupidity cannot separate me from the love of God. And that is some great news for us. That is great news for people to hear that God's love for us covers all of that. And even though we're going to make mistakes in life and we're going to have struggles in life, we can rest assured that God is going to keep us and that God is going to see us through. But who do we trust? We trust Christ. I don't trust the things of this world. I don't trust myself. I don't trust anything that I could do for myself, but I place my trust in Christ and know that it is he who will see me through until the end. The work that he has begun, he will complete. And then fourthly, remain loyal to the truth of the gospel. Notice what he says in verses 13 and 14. He says, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He's saying, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching. Hold on to the truth of the gospel. 
Let me remind you again that we have an enemy that is out there who is a deceiver and he is at work around us and he wants to convince us that the things of God are not true. He wants to convince us that, that things that are around us aren't what we think that they are. He wants to convince us that the Bible's not even the true word of God. He's been doing this since the beginning of time all the way back to the Garden of Eden in the fall of man. When he stood there with Adam and Eve, or laid there on the ground with Adam and Eve, and he said, did God really say what you think that he said? Is that really the truth? And he began to place a little doubt in their minds that they began to question even what God had said. And we live in a world today that wants us to question what God has said. We have a deceiver who wants us to not believe the truth of God's word. But how do we know what is true and what is not true? We go to his word. We look in his word. His word is his truth. And we can stand on his truth that never changes, never has, never will. It is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we can stand on that truth knowing that when we stand on God's truth that we are standing on the truth that's going to be around forever and ever. And while everything else in our world may change, his truth remains the same each and every day. But unfortunately, there are many Christians, even out in our world, that began to believe some of the lies that are being told. So we stand on the truth of the gospel. We stand on the truth of his word. And we stand on the guiding of the Holy Spirit that is in us. He said, guard the good deposit through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The Holy Spirit will let us know what is truth and what is not truth if we are seeking God's truth. When we're standing on his word, and listen, the Spirit of God will never contradict what is in the word of God. So no matter where you go in life, no matter what you do, know that you have God's truth. And you need to remain loyal to the truth of God in your life. And when you remain loyal to that truth, you will be able to stand firm no matter what comes your way. You'll be able to stand firm in his truth knowing that God has you. That God has a plan and a purpose for your life. God's protection is upon you. And God loves you. We see that through his word. To stand on his truth. There are many lies that the enemy wants us to believe. But God wants us to stand on his truth. So I want to ask you a question. Are you living out God's purpose and God's plan for your life? Have you first come to know him? First step to know him. Not know about him, but to know him in a personal way. You know that he is the Lord and Savior of your life. You have a personal relationship with him. And if you can say yes to that today, then are you living out your purpose in his life to help others to know Christ the same way that you know Christ? Wherever you go, wherever it is that God takes you in this life, are you making him known to others? Let's pray together. As you bow your head and close your eyes this morning, I want you to think about those questions. The first question, the most important question you can ever answer in your life is do you know Jesus Christ? personally. Not that you've heard somebody talk about him or something that you've heard, but that you know him personally because you know you have that personal relationship with him. Today, if you don't know Christ personally, and if God is speaking to your heart, then even right where you're sitting, you can open up your heart to him, and today you can place your faith and trust in him, and he will, can be the Lord and Savior of your life, and he will make a huge difference. Today, maybe you know him as your Lord and Savior. Are you living out that purpose, the calling that God has on your life, the purpose that he has for you? Are you helping others to see Christ so that they can know him in a personal way as well? God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for the truth that's in your word. Thank you for encouragement that comes through your word. And God, I pray that today your word would just speak to our hearts that your word would accomplish what you have set forth for it to accomplish today. God, I pray for anyone here that may not know you in a personal way, they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, that today, right now, your spirit would just draw them unto yourself and that today they would open up their heart and their life to you. God, I pray for every believer in this place, 
That God, we would understand our purpose in life. We would understand that you have a plan for us from the beginning to the end. That God, you, you have a plan to use us in this life in ways that we may not even completely understand. God, I pray that today our hearts would be open to you, to however you want to use us, whatever you want to do through us, wherever you want to take us in life, that we would go and we would be witnesses for you. God, we thank you for your love for us today, that while we were yet sinners, you gave us your one and only son, that through him we could have true life and we could have true success in this life. Thank you. We love you because you first loved us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.